Hey, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Your host today is going to be me, Mishka Katkoff, and we are going to talk about what your company needs to do yesterday. So, as you know, through the changes announced in WWDC, Apple has flipped the table and reset the mobile advertising landscape. While the full implications are still unclear, and Apple may make adjustments before iOS 14 ships in about a month, it's safe to say that the changes will be monumental, and that companies that fail to prepare for these changes will be at risk of being left behind. In our previous episode, Evgeny Perez and Eric Suford of Mobile Dev Memo, uh, we discussed everything one should know about IDFA, and there's a link to the description if you haven't hear, heard that podcast. Uh, that episode was followed by Eric's post on Deconstructor of Fun blog, insinuating that there will be a Ragnarok of M&A fueled by depreciation of identifier for advertisers and the rising importance of IDFV, which is a code assigned to all apps by one developer and is shared across all apps by that developer on your device. Essentially, IDFV increases the importance of a large portfolio. Mobile marketing partners, ad networks, Facebook, Google, and UA teams are all bracing for impact to come. And while Apple has created SK Ad Network, its current implementation leaves a lot to be desired. So in the end, no matter how freaking viral your app is, you need advertising. Just look at TikTok, as viral as it can get, right? Yet according to ByteDance Insiders, the company spent a billion dollars on advertising the app. The bottom line is, IDFA allows effective targeting without being able to target and retarget specific users and track them all the way through the purchase, measuring and optimizing the effectiveness of ad spend will change dramatically. And today we have a stellar panel to talk about these issues. We have Tatiana from Gram Games, a part of Zynga, who has a perspective of coming from a publisher with a vast portfolio of different kind of games from mid-core to casual, from casino to hyper-casual. We have Nibosha coming in from Network uh, with experience and uh, currently working with a large portfolio of smaller developers in the form of a publishing platform. And we have Evgeny Perez returning uh, to talk about IDFA. And Evgeny is working at Iron Source, heading growth, and he has a really great macro view of what's happening in the market. And I really urge you to listen through the whole episode and especially the, uh, the last question. It's a, it's a tricky one, and it was something that wasn't planned for, but I think I think it's a, it's a good one. I hope this podcast episode helps everybody to prepare for the changes. And before we kick it off, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Iron Source. And if there's three things you would have to remember about Iron Source, it's that they're developing the most robust data-driven growth engine for mobile games. Their secret sauce is closing the monetization marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth and that they have an awesome Medium blog and a podcast called Level Up. You can find it on Medium by searching Iron Source Level Up and you can find the podcast basically from every platform you are getting your podcast from. Just search for Level Up. I also want to thank Eric Suford for helping me to come up with the uh, with the questions and Eric has a, has a one-hour workshop called How to Build and Scale Successful Mobile Apps Without the IDFA. So I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. Uh, I think this is, a, this is a workshop that is quite interesting for anybody who is actually interested in this particular podcast. Folks, 
most mobile advertisers are increasingly aware of the dangers of app install fraud. In fact, global financial exposure to app install fraud in the first half of 2020 was $1.6 billion. And even though the mobile ad industry has grown exponentially to defend itself properly against ad fraud, the potential amount of damage is still extremely high and fraudsters will always want a piece of that pie. Now, fraud methods are constantly evolving and adapting to solutions in the market. Still, staying protected and applying sophisticated anti-fraud solutions are very much a necessity for all marketers. As you all know, our good partner AppsFlyer offers super robust fraud protection, making sure you're not paying for that bogus traffic. AppsFlyer is also perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive that marketing success. And listen, it's not only us at here at Deconstructor of Fun raving about AppsFlyer. Playrix, Tencent, Playtica, Square Enix, Huge Games, all of these companies and many more are using AppsFlyer to boost their business. So go to appsflyer.com and get yourself attribution and fraud protection you can trust. Hey, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. So as always, we have a set of amazing guests. Uh, this time around, we have three three guests talking about IDFA and what your company needs to do yesterday. Uh, number one, we have Tatiana Bagatireva, head of UA at Grand Games. Before that, she was at Disney and Plumbee and SGN. Welcome, Tatiana. And Hi, guys. A- Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Looking forward uh, to chatting about iOS 14. Um, then we have uh, Nibo, I'm going to do the full name. Nibosha Radovic. Am I correct? That's that's correct, yeah. All right. <laughs> I like pronouncing names. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nibosha, Nibo is a growth lead at Networks uh, M- NPS, NPS? NSP, Network Scale Platform. Damn it. I've got something wrong. NSP. So at Networks, Growth Platform, a big fund, and you're growing a lot of different games. And before that, you were at Machine Zone, and you started your career at Nordius. So welcome, Nibo, again. Thank you. A regular face of UA Coffee Talks. And uh, we got a returning guest, Evgeny Perez, VP of Growth at Iron Source. I mean, you've been at Iron Source basically all the time because before that you were supersonic, and Iron Source now again is supersonic. So, a long tenure with Iron Source. So, welcome back, Evgeny. Thanks, thanks, Mr. Happy to be here, uh, um, especially with uh, Nibo and Tatiana this time to talk about this uh, uh, fascinating topic that changes our lives these days. IDFA, IDFA, IDFA. What have you and you and your peers, what have you been doing to prepare for depreciation of IDFA? Tatiana, if we start with you. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I, how we use it internally is kind of the matrix analogy, right? Do you take the red pill, right, to unplug from the uh, simulated reality, right, and face the truth that this is the new world with, you know, no IDFAs? And as you mentioned, it's a kind of monumental shift. Or do you take the blue pill and kind of continue facing blissful ignorance, hoping that, you know, things will help and improve and we can push for further changes, right? I think most of the industry has, let's say, UA professionals have decided to accept that this is how things will be going forward, right? And start thinking about how to, you know, build up things internally, right? Of course, there's a lot of uh, incomplete information that we're working with that makes it very complicated, right? Uh, We're still waiting for update to Apple's review guidelines, how they will be enforced. Unfortunately, MMPs have really different solutions right now. There's no kind of universal 
approach to it, which I think is really worrying. So I think uh, in terms of these circumstances, like the key questions right now to ask in terms of preparation is one, how agile is your product analytics in the UA team, right? So how quickly can SDK updates be made? there will be quite a lot in September and the timeline might be short. How quickly can your BI stack, whether it's relying you know, on internal, internal tools or also external tools be changed or adapted right, to the new realities, right? And also as a UA team, how agile and quickly to move you are in that transition, right? And I think um, an important part of it, I think there's been quite a lot of changes you know, with GDPR, CCPA, and especially in April, like as a way, I guess, to see how agile your teams are was the Facebook impression-based attribution change, right? Where uh, Facebook stopped reporting uh, impression-based attribution to MMPs. So the question is, how quickly did your, you adapt? How quickly did you take now unattributed data that started coming in? And were you able to put it back attributed to live campaigns? Were you able to maintain, you know, the same level of optimization and measurement as before with this data that came in in a more let's say broken way right so that's i think was an interesting way to kind of look at it that was kind of an early sign right of what was uh, to come shall we say um the other question right is that what is kind of the minimal viable product that we as a company would have to come up with on bi analytics uh you know in the ua team to maintain some of the basic capabilities right because there's not as much information, right? It's still a lot is in flux, right? SKN network can still change, timelines can still change, right? Is to, you know, understand um, what we can do now. And I think in terms of the specifics, right? Um, is uh, first of all, prepare the BI uh, systems, analytic systems for being able to ingest multiple data sources, right? So first of all, um, opted in users that come in through the ATT uh, framework, right? So the app transparency tracking, right? Then understanding how user flow will go through the SK. How do you deal with that versus your internal IDs, right? How do you build broader dashboards potentially, right? When you don't have all of the granularity level that we're able to work with, right? And in terms of UA specifically is how can we run iOS 14 simulation campaigns, right? With our top partners to understand how the future will look like, right? For example, uh, on Facebook, the AAA campaigns, so automated app ads, right? That kind of uh, have, will have more dynamic placements and things in place for when, let's say the future is uncertain and not sure which placement which users will work, right? How do you work with, um, uh, you know, the SDK ad networks, can they run contextual targeting? For example, Unity is offering campaigns like this. Like, so the question is, what can we do right now to try to understand, uh, you know, the targeting and the capabilities that we will have? And, um, and it's important to have conversations, I think, with all of the partners to also see if they're going to be able to ingest data from Android, right? Because Android is not going to go away for now, right? Obviously, there's a lot of rumors going on, but can they work with creative data from Android? Can they work with other signals from Android? Other signals from Android? Can what can we do with the limited amount of users that opt in in you know under the ATT framework, right? And the other question would be: Is uh, can we replicate? some of this manually will we have to reset everything up right so i think that there's kind of a lot of questions but i think the best that we can do right now is try to learn as much as possible right and i would say prepare for the worst case scenario right which is the sk ad network as 
script as the documentation is given right now, right? And work with the partners to run as many tests as possible, right? Mm. So, so uh, it's, that, that's, yeah, that, that was a lot of in-depth uh, information and, and thank you very much. So kind of like on, on the high level, if, if you'd summarize basically, uh, make sure that your UA and your analytics team are, are as agile as possible and that your BI stack is is there to be adjusted on, on the fly, basically, uh, on, on like the highest of high level. Exactly, as much as possible. Obviously, there's companies of different sizes, right? It's not mm -hmm. gonna be possible for everyone. So that's why it's important to understand what is the minimal timeline that will be needed, right? For the BI and the product teams to implement the changes that will be needed. And the reason it's important is that we don't know if there will be multiple SDK uh, updates mm. from each partner, right? Because we don't know if the SK ad network is in its final state, right? Yeah. So some companies may decide to wait, right? Some, yeah. some companies may decide to implement it right now. So. so this is actually a really good panel because Evgeny sees a lot of different companies, especially a lot of small ones, but a lot of, of course, big ones and how they're preparing. And Nibosha, you see a lot of small ones through through the, uh, the publishing network. And, and Tatiana, you're a part of a very large company, you know, ground is part of Zynga and, and Zynga has, apart from their own businesses, also all the other uh, purchase businesses from Peak to to Small Giant and so forth. So, uh, Nibo, what is happening sort of a, like, what are you seeing? How are the, uh, the small ones preparing or, or are you kind of helping them to prepare? Uh, yeah, exactly. We're working with smaller developers just to like explain them what, what is absolutely necessary at this stage. Um, given that, that there's still a lot of unknowns and, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried we're trying to over-engineer the solution without actually knowing what the problem is yet. Uh, so, you know, kind of our approach right now is, uh, and I shared this list with you, is to come up with like things that are super, like super urgent, super important, like urgent, you know, but not so important. Um, so, you know, they're kind of optional, but also things that are super important, but not so urgent, mainly because we don't really know what's going to happen. So. There are some technical things that are like an absolute must, uh, like up, uh, you know, updating the app to Xcode 12, uh, updating all the add SDKs and general like SDKs in, inside the, um, the software because you know there is a decent chance that your app will be removed from the app stores if you don't update all the SDKs, um, and then like getting you know making sure that your BA stack is um, you know uh, updated and it's able to kind of. Uh, receive the data in the format, like in the new updated format, and it's able to kind of receive the data from uh, that. Basically, your BA pipeline, BA pipeline is updated to to get all the um, all the SKA ad network data. Um, um, another thing that that um, we we did in the past kind of uh, two months uh, already, right, is basically we worked closely with with uh, attribution providers to try to understand what are things they're going to do as uh, kind of my hope and understanding is that most of the heavy lifting will be done on their end and they're the ones who are kind of experimenting and and trying to figure this out because their business is at risk so when it comes to kind of things like you know uh figuring out conversion value figuring out the integration with, with the actual integration of the SKA network getting the data etc cetera, etc cetera, they're going to be the ones um doing most of the heavy lifting again and and then we'll be just kind of receiving the data via api or like epl whatever so, so we're kind of working closely with Singular in our case to, to, you know, understand what are the changes that we need to do on our BI side of things and, and how can we uh, get ready before um, IS 14 release. Um, 
So that's like an absolute must, something that we need to do. And then they're like, nice to have like figuring out conversion value, figuring out like consent management and how to ask people and at what time, et cetera, et cetera. But I believe we're going to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that in, in, in a second. So Evgeny, um, yeah. What, what do you, what are you seeing on the, like you, you have the, uh, the broadest view of, of the market and uh, are you seeing that, that the companies are investing now and, in, and, in, you know, making their, their, uh, their BI stacks, their, analytics teams their ui teams more more agile or or is it more like wait and see in terms of timeline we are two months after wwc and one month away from uh, ios 14 general availability um what we've seen that is then the first uh, month or so uh, pretty much everyone we're trying to gather as much knowledge as possible especially i think on the developer side uh, um in, in you can see that not only uh, you know each company's uh, relatively siloed, uh, but also within the companies, you can see how each team in, in many cases is siloed, the product, the, the monetization uh, elements, the user acquisition, the BI, the analytics uh, teams. And uh, I think uh, during the last month, you can see much more traction around decision-making. And uh, I think a lot of it is based on uh, the understanding of each. Uh, I think like Nibo mentioned of uh, what the problem is and how, uh, how to define it. And we've seen uh, a pretty wide spectrum of, you know, uh, around um, the, the app tracking transparency framework, which I think is, uh, is what iOS 14 is about. I think IDFA comes second. Uh, and the framework is about asking permission to track. Um, and it's, you know, the only, the only functionality that Apple is breaking is access to the IDFA, which we are familiar with uh, historically around limit app tracking but it actually prohibits you taking action around uh, anything around the user ID uh, outside of the app. And also it limits, uh, according to the documentation, your ability to use third party single sign-on services. Uh, and I think this is one of, you know, if, if the topic of this podcast is what you should have done yesterday, I think for, for many products, the biggest change will be around single sign-on. Um, and only then it will be around user acquisition and ad monetization uh, for those that uh, monetize with ads. And we've seen uh, some companies, some big companies also decide not to even bother with asking for permission to track, uh, especially if it's product that do not rely on, on third-party single sign-in, especially if it's products that do not rely on ad monetization. And uh, just in terms of timeline, not being able to be ready by then to... Uh, to set up a, uh, an optimization uh, framework to do that, especially with how the product is designed, you cannot even change the message without resubmitting the app. Uh, so that uh, for those of you that are not familiar with it, basically Apple are providing this framework that uh, is engaging with the user, uh, with some of the users, only the, the users that allow, which is gonna be around uh, 60, 70% in the US, uh, once per app to be asked, hey, are you can you, do you allow, uh, this app to track you and, and it includes uh, a message that can be control, controlled by the developer. And that message, uh, in order to be changed, it requires the app to be resubmitted to the store. So a lot of work uh, should be done there. It's around whether to ask uh, and, uh, and then I think uh, when to ask. I think uh, this is where I think there's gonna be internal conflicts for bigger teams around user acquisition and, um, and uh, other uh, purposes of tracking. I think that the, uh, the earlier you ask for tracking, the, you know, the, the higher the, 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 the rates will be, but you might be losing uh, more users due to that uh, aggressive uh, 
engagement. And if you ask much, much deeper into the funnel, maybe even after a user makes a purchase or after a couple of sessions, then you're losing most of the users, uh, but you might have uh, access to uh, the users that you should care about. And you can retarget those specific ones later on. You can implement uh, more CRM techniques around tracking those users and the users might be more open to uh, give permission to track. I think this is uh, the biggest, I think, item on the roadmap. And I think like Nebo and, and Tatiana mentioned earlier, uh, your ability to be agile around updating SDKs and moving quickly uh, will, I think, dictate uh, how will your business look like two months from now. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think the bottom line of this change is that the, you know, the user behavior might not necessarily change, uh, but in, in the market and how, how much people are spending in games might not necessarily change, but the type of games people will be playing, uh, how, how, how will be the engaging with, uh, with ads for, for apps will, will change. I think it's a huge opportunity for those that will, will move uh, quicker than others. I think we covered this in the last, uh, the previous episode, but this is, I think, what this change is about. Yeah, so, so figuring out the, uh, the best messaging to convince as many users as possible to give you permission to access their IDFA via app tracking transparency. So there was a, re there was a sur survey by Cap Research that suggested that the opt-in rate for, for, will be around 30% and likely less, and which would make IDFA essentially useless for tracking users at scale. And even if 50% of users opt in when prompted, Users with limit ad tracking, LAT, turned on in iOS 13, so the current version, uh, and that's roughly 30% in the current versions have limit ad tracking on. So with, they won't even see the prompt in iOS 14. So in stats, this, or in, yeah, well, this would mean that if we're optimistic at a 50% opt-in rate, that would only amount to 35% for all users. And to make it worse, LAT users on iOS are some of the, uh, the biggest spenders on platform. So given that, that, that even if you get 50% of iOS 14 to sign on, and that will be still only 35%, um, how much time are you spending on optimizing the messaging? And is, should this be something, or let's put it this way, how much time should companies um, spend on optimizing the messaging to convince as many users as possible to give them the permission to, to, um, to track? So Nebo, let's start with you. Yeah, so right now it's it's really tough to to test things because um, um, because the, the iOS fourteen is not live. That's one thing, as you said, you need like an up, app update to actually test it. So like you know you could do something like depth research and just test different messages. The real challenge is um, you know you're just you would just A/B test the the kind of the description, not necessarily not the not the title of the pop up, which probably has a very little impact on the actual opt in rate. Um, and the, the other thing that's still kind of unclear is basically whether you'll be able to ask uh, users later on to give you that permission, including the LAT users. So think about like asking, so how like a messaging app asks you for like location permission. You know, if you want to share your location with Yevgeny, for example, they're going to ask you later on to do that and just give them, you know, uh, permission to be tracked uh, even when the app is in the background. So for example, if you're playing an idle game and, and you know, there's an opportunity for you to get two X more coins, maybe that's like the right opportunity to ask someone for like ad tracking permission. So right now, like we're not 100% sure whether that's allowed, but if it is, that might help us uh, help us get uh, idea phase of some users that we find valuable. And we might be able to maybe 
get 30% of IDFAs, but like out of those 30% of users, 50% are payers. And then you can learn a lot about your campaigns, about like things you're doing on the UA front by understanding who those 50% or 10% of users are. Um, and uh, so basically those are the two main things is like, you know, when it comes to the, the original pop-up, the one that you can only show once to the users, there's very little you can test. And so right now we're kind of like still uh, figuring out how and when to show it. And when it comes to kind of all the subsequent pop-ups, uh, we're still not 100% sure before the IS-14 is released, how that flow is gonna look like. Uh, and another thing, and this is just my kind of feeling about this is that the copy is not necessarily final. So what we're seeing in the current betas might be kind of too scary, but the, the final kind of version of the copy of the pop-up might be less kind of scary and that might help with opt-in rates. Um, so, you know, that's why, again, I think it's smart to kind of test different things that are not expensive to test, but at the same time, just kind of be patient and wait to see what the actual implementation will look like and whether we'll be able, for example, to deep link to that setting hmm. page um, uh, in iOS to, to basically uh, try to get the permission later on. In user got time. it, got it. So, so you're basically saying that, that a focus on on more valuable users or the ones that have been retaining and, and then try to get their IDFA and through that, um, yeah, well, basically that opens up access to to similar type of, of uh, users that, that actually enjoy your game, right? Yeah, exactly. And then then you'll be able to kind of triangulate where they're coming from. You know, maybe, uh, you know, CRM becomes like a huge thing among like mobile gamers and then you'll have an email, you have like an IDFA of like certain users and you'll be able to like understand as a developer uh, where those users are coming from. I mean, it's not ideal, but you know, we'll have to come up with these kind of creative solutions to understand like which campaigns are doing well and where the payers and high quality users are coming from in order to kind of make uh, educated decisions about our UA campaigns. Um, so I think a lot of solutions will be um, uh, kind of creative ones, but still aligned with uh, abstract user fantasy or like APK yeah. to start. Yeah. Got it, uh, Tatiana. What 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 are your thoughts on on the uh, on trying to mm -hmm. um, encourage people to allow exactly? So first of all, I agree with what Yevgeny Nebo has uh, shared. I think definitely it's important for everyone to test out you know various flows and also the messaging. I think um, ad uh, games with primarily ad monetization uh, they will have might have a lot more flexibility in terms of the messaging right because they can ask you know uh, to uh, per ask to be tracked for more personalized ad experience and also they might be able to put um, kind of it later in the app because it might not affect UA as much as games you know that are IP monetized right so uh, but yeah definitely that time finding the right balance, uh, showing it early on, right? And for the sake of user acquisition, trying to get the event as early as possible versus later will be very, very important. I think one consideration, what I think we're actually afraid of is that, uh, you know, LAT setting will be replaced by this uh, toggle, allow apps to request to track, right? And it could be that a lot of the users start getting annoyed, right? With constantly being asked to track by various apps, let's say come September. And they might go in and ask, like, to toggle kind of this off, right? That could happen, especially if there's going to be articles in the media, whatever about it, right? There's one consideration, right? Because there will be a way to stop all of us from tracking, right? And then there's also other considerations, right? What happens if users upgrade to iOS 14, right? And your app is not ready, right? 
is someone else, is Apple going to surface a pop-up? What's going to happen? So I think initially the opt-in rate will be quite low. And um, as we go along, probably the industry, you know, we will get better at, you know, under understanding what is the right message. But I think for the UI perspective, and I keep coming back to it, I think it's important to assume that it will be uh, very, very low, right? And we'll have to work together with the product teams to see what 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 kind of ma makes sense, right? Um, and yeah, that's it. Okay, got it, got it. So that's, yeah, it, it seems like that that's gonna be a pretty difficult, but a lot of different tests. Um, so let's take a step forward and talk about optimizing marketing campaigns. So for a uh, for big majority of, of our listeners, what's gonna happen is that measuring of ad spend will be severely limited with Apple iOS 14. So in the, uh, the post IDFA era, when an ad is displayed, there's no way to reliably track revenue generated from that ad, even at the campaign level. And furthermore, the campaigns will be limited to 100 campaigns per, per, um, per, per SKU, if I'm correct. And Apple has severely limited the timing of postback events and the data they contain. So this means that developers could get a relatively clear picture of app installs from SK Ad Network, but will get a much fuzzier sense of ROAS. So the question uh, for for you is is how are you optimizing marketing campaigns in the iOS 14, uh, given that the uh, the ROAS is is way more fuzzier. So Tatiana, let's let's start with you. Uh, of course. So yeah, I think it still remains to be seen, right? Based on the SKED network kind of final uh, uh, specifications. So what we do know, we'll have to optimize mostly on uh, the campaign level and rely on the conversion events, right? That will be possible to, um, to, to set up. And I guess definitely conversion events, which we'll talk in a later question will be uh, very key in trying to build that data. Uh, I think we'll definitely have to be uh, very flexible, right? Uh, in terms of how we set this up. And also, I think it will be quite different partner by partner because it could be that, let's say, Facebook and Google, their solution may be to have a more automatic campaign, right? Have recommend one campaign that will decide for you. And it could be that we as a marketing team may not have much input, right? Because that would be their solution. It could be something different. It could be that we can set up 100 campaigns on Facebook to try to replicate what we already have try to target I don't know, females 35 to 40 and, and things like this. So, so we do not know. So I think we will have to play it uh, by ear and see. But I, I think it will be a split, right? Some will be automatic. So we will input creatives, right? We will input uh, the right conversion values and the networks will do their best, right? To provide the optimization mechanism and we'll look at it on the campaign level or optimize publishers whenever that is obviously possible depending on which network uh, it is and for uh, you know and we might have to trust the algorithms but the question is how accurate would the algorithms that Facebook and Google have had be under iOS 14 that obviously uh, you know re remains to be seen I don't think there's a set solution yet because as I mentioned before I think the attribution provider singular etc it's quite a lot of discussions ongoing in terms of how the dashboards will look like how the views, how conversion value events uh, will will be uh, reported, right? Uh, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll take it as as we can. But I, I do believe that we will find a way, right, to uh, 
to be able to tweak some things, right? And be able to, to, to guide the performance. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't give a very specific answer, but I think right now it's, it, it's quite challenging because we also haven't received as much clarity, right? From our marketing partners on, on that aspect. Yeah, I know. I don't think anybody can can give a too precise of an answer on, on any of this. That's why, yeah, that's why this is such an interesting topic to to discuss and and a little bit scary topic to discuss, especially given uh, given the, the the weight of this panel and and that you guys don't know exactly what's going to happen and and how you're reacting. It's um, yeah, it it, it kind of you know adds the weight on on this whole issue. So, um, Nebo, how are you approaching the optimization of of marketing campaigns going forward? Yeah, um, kind of the same approach. It's uh, basically just you know waiting. <laughs> um, uh, I th I think the main the main kind of thing that we we still don't know uh, anything about is basically how like Facebook and Google are going to handle this, because um, you know there might be some magical way for Facebook to figure out how to collect like revenue and engagement data like that's anonymized and not like and aggregated. It's it's not user level, um, and then they'll be able to kind of make optimizations and figure out and hit our like raw targets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there might be, I'm not sure. Um, uh, but you know, that would help a lot. Uh, if that doesn't happen, which is likely, then what's going to happen is that like our campaign setup will probably have to change a lot and we'll have to think more about incrementality and what's kind of the impact of each ad partner in a certain country and a certain platform. So in this case, it would be just IS, but think about it as, you know, if you want to prove that there is value in like, um, I don't know, a running ad, ad, ad network X, um, uh, then you would probably test like the ad network in a certain country, see what are there in, in like revenue and installs and kind of what, what's the value of those, um, what's the value of those installs and then try to expand things slowly in more countries where you are running also other channels. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of the kind of outcomes of this is that like advertisers just keep uh, Facebook on IS in the US and no other channels because that's the only way to measure the impact of like of your UA spend. If you have multiple, if you have multiple channels, it gets significantly more complex. Um, uh, another thing that that's important to bring uh, bring up is that this is why it's important to kind of uh, get everything ready in terms of like uh, in, ter in terms of kind of like data setup and make sure that you know you update all the kind of API integrations that basically. Uh, your company is able to receive the SKA network data, the ad network data, and the update all the all the basically updated um, kind of data flows, uh, so you can act, make educated decisions. Uh, it's probably not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of like guessing and figuring out what's working and what's not working, but that's the only way to kind of figure out this problem. And and the last piece is basically conversion value design. Um, so you know, assuming the conversion value is actually helping for any kind of deeper uh, deeper deeper events like you know just payers or payers who have been in the game for like seven days something like that you know designing con different conversion value events and figuring out how to leverage them is going to play an important role because it might bridge the gap between kind of like uh, uh, having no having no uh, idea phase and uh, being able to hit the ROS targets so that's going to be that's going to be an important one to crack and uh, and I think a lot of the work that will be done in the upcoming months will be around that. Mm, got it. So go ahead, Evgeny. Yeah, I think this is uh, kind of the question of, of I think, of, of the podcast and, and we're, we're 
with this context. I think I, I, I like Tatiana's analogy earlier with the red and blue pill. And if we if we use that and uh, if like red would be prepared for the worst and blue would be nothing. And I think it's I think it's an important exercise, uh, kind of a bottom up uh, layered approach where you try and ask yourself what will happen if you literally don't change anything like the app stays as is the campaign stay running as uh, they are what will change and then when you think about your stack and your methodology and your your channels i think kind of the next step would be okay what if what happens if i just update all the sdks uh, so that's a no-brainer uh, what happens if i integrate or not sk network um, what will that look like with MMP? Some of the MPs are already talking about providing uh, solutions that uh, will wrap the SK network uh, calls, the, uh, the, the register uh, app for ad network um, attribution, the update conversion value. Uh, most of them are talking about the kind of simplistic mapping, which is similar to today. Kind of you choose an event and you map it to a certain bit or certain conversion value um, and how, what, what will be, what will the day look uh, uh, after that? I think understanding the, um, uh, I think it's probably not the time to switch an MMP, although I'm sure some will, uh, but uh, some MMPs have an approach of, you know, kind of um, a hybrid approach where they will be providing uh, insights based on uh, anonymized probabilistic, uh, uh, matching some uh, will not some some have other approaches I think based on that I think one of the main uh, things to do right now or yesterday is define on, on top of these layers what will the UA look like what will my methodology of uh, 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 of, of optimizing campaigns justifying spend making decisions uh, Tatiana and Niva touched, touched the, the campaign structure the SK network uh, facilitation of the campaign ID uh, I think, uh, especially around the conversion value, which uh, I don't believe we'll have time to talk about uh, later on, I think this is where the edge of each uh, implementation, each developer will have. How will they uh, implement conversion value and the methodology around it? And I think one of the challenges with here will be, and this is kind of what uh, the market is facing right now, is kind of how, uh, uh, how, uh, how much, uh, information uh, is missing now from each channel because at the end of the day, the lowest common denominator will be uh, the marketing channels themselves. Uh, so we're investing a lot of time in, in, in supporting these new methodologies, these new, uh, this, this new paradigm because um, it will be, uh, I think, for those that will adapt and, 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 and kind of uh, jump into the, the water and take the, the, the red pill, I think they will have a certain edge here and over time, those that are kind of sitting on the fence will stay behind, I think, because you'll need to log those miles with the SK network, with the new framework, with the new pipeline, with, with how the data flows into your analytics to develop and optimize your own methodologies to build confidence internally so you can spend more and more uh, and take, uh, take over market share from your competitors. Uh, so, so both Nebo and, and Yuvgen, you both touched upon the, um, the conversion value events. And the assumption is that the Facebook's value optimization campaigns are basically out the window as soon as the iOS 14 goes live. I mean, out the window for, for iOS. And for those um, who don't know or forgot what the VO campaigns are, it's basically showing your ads to people who are likely to maximize the amount of spending they generate. So 
given that these VO campaigns are not possible anymore, how are you going, like, how should studios look at picking the conversion value events going forward? Um, Evgeny, since you were talking about this the last time, let's start with you. Yeah, I think the, the, the beauty of the conversion value is that it's, uh, in general, I think the SK network is that it provides a new data um, a source that provides um, data that did not exist before. Um, kind of signed by Apple, um, giving uh, full app level transparency uh, for the first time uh, across all channels, um, assuming you, you can access the, the SK network data. And um, it, it kind of, I think, level levels the playing field. I think this is where it's gonna be easier for the for the leaner and uh, and smaller uh, teams to 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 work around this, the, the the conversion value as a reminder is basically the way it works. Uh, let's do like thirty seconds about that, or definitely not twenty four hours. But uh, basically, uh, SK Network provides a single signal per install, uh, which is deterministic. Uh, it's on the user level, though it's anonymized, um, and the, the way it comes in is after. Uh, the last time the user generated an, uh, an incremental conversion value, which is basically increasing its value uh, somewhere between zero to 63. And after more than 24 hours pass without that value increasing uh, any further, another randomized timer uh, will be triggered and then uh, the pullback will be fired somewhere uh, between uh, zero to 24 hours later, where the purpose of that is anonymization. I think implementation here uh, will um, will go through several cycles of, of, of optimization per, per developer. I think also for the market, there's there's certain, I think already things that are public around best practices. Most of the conversations are focusing around uh, event mapping, uh, which event should I map to which bit? Uh, how should I uh, you know, um, design the conversion value to signal more and I purchase more engagements with certain events? And uh, kind of by, by design, one of the challenges here is that you might be seeing most of your users only, uh, you'll be able to single this once because the next time that user comes in, even if they do come in, let's, let's assume, I don't know, 40% uh, day one retention, you know, a big part of them will come in after more than 24 hours. So you kind of by design lose the user uh, after 24 hours. And the challenge here is, is what can you signal within the first 24 hours to make it meaningful for the UA channel, for yourself to make decisions, uh, to, to optimize. Um, and it looks like, uh, you know, putting aside the challenges around cohorting, um, which is a huge, huge challenge, basically this introduces a new, completely new uh, methodology of optimization. Defining that conversion value, I think at first uh, should be simplified uh, and, and focusing more around what proxies can I, uh, uh, what, what events or uh, identif or attributes, sorry, uh, of, of, of that user can I signal to a network that I can rely on and analyze down the road to make a marketing decision? Uh, the, the easiest would be in our purchases, but it, a lot of it depends on the app. I think for both uh, Tatiana and Ivo, they have examples from different apps where some of the games monetization is front-loaded. For some of the games, monetization happens mostly only after a couple of days. Uh, uh, one thing that I think that is important to add here is not only the the, 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 the implementation of the value itself, but also the process around 
optimizing the value itself. So in the next iteration, the next release of the app, let's change it to this uh, methodology or control it from your backend, which is, I think is an important product uh, development to be uh, made uh, by the product teams to, to facilitate uh, dynamic changes by the UA teams without uh, submitting an update to the app. Um, be, because the fact that analytics stays as is in iOS 14, you can keep measuring and analyzing your users as much as you want. You're just stuck with connecting that to your UA decisions uh, as you're used to today. I think uh, uh, measuring uh, what is happening within the first 24 hours and, and kind of understanding that and layering that on top of data and how it's distributed uh, uh, across uh, the user journey later on to be able to decide what should happen on the first day. Is it event-based? Is it uh, some, uh, some specific attributes? For example, did that user give permission to crack? That's something that you would like to signal because maybe that user is worth more to you. Uh, and, and where they came from. Maybe they're coming from an app that, that, uh, that has a higher percentage of these kind of users. Um, maybe, you know, the day of acquisition. Uh, users that come in on a weekend monetize better, whether an, an a purchase was made or not. Uh, and certain progress that is made uh, within the first uh, 24 hours, I think we'll be able to reach a certain optimal point that you will uh, rely on. And I think not to forget here is everything that comes in from users that do give the, the permission to track, how does that flow into your MMP? Uh, because at the end of the day, if you are gonna be asking for permission to track, you're gonna be working in a hybrid mode, relying on some MMP data, some SKNFL data. And uh, that will dictate also the implementation of the conversion value. Mm. Um, Tatiana, so you, I mean, Zynga has a, has a pretty broad casual mm -hmm. portfolio. So are you looking at your existing portfolio and your existing games? I mean, uh, Graham has two, two merge games who are probably quite similar. So are you looking at the similar type of games and picking up the conversion events from those for the upcoming games? Is that the, uh, the approach that the studios should perhaps um, adopt? Or I don't know if you, you guys are using it. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah, so I think there's two different approaches, right? I think the best would be to pick the conversion values game specific or at least category specific. Let's say you mentioned our merging franchise versus casino games versus poker, et cetera. But I think on a larger scale for a larger organization, it might be difficult to have very custom events and hard to standardize it, right? Sorry, and hard to have custom events per app, right? So there's that decision to make as well. In an ideal case scenario, right? What I think every uh, game, like product team and UA team should sit down together and similar to what Evgeny has mentioned is understand which events, early events correlate, correlate to purchases, right? And correlate to maximum kind of LTV value, right? It could be that only purchases correlate to purchases, right? If your game monetizes really early. And it's also important to really understand the payer conversion timeframe right? Is it day one? Do you already get results? Do you get day three? Is it post day seven? If it's post day seven, might, it might be quite challenging in this new uh, environment, right? And the other thing to consider is also any special offers or pairs. Do you have an, uh, an intro pack that someone is going to buy that might skew things, right? In, in this environment, it might be challenging to, let's say, distinguish some of these things. So I think it's really, really key, will be key to map this more on 
on the game level, right? And um, also the the other thing I think to to mention is uh, the reason it would be important to wait to see what Google and Facebook uh, introduce is that you know we're assuming that networks will be able to ingest any custom data, any numbers. Let's say I'm going to give them five and seven and whatever I say, fifteen is the number is the right the conversion event that I would want. But what if Facebook and Google say, no, you need to give us just a purchase event, right? Because Facebook and Google are building essentially universal products, right? They're going to update the SDK, right? They probably, I'm assuming, will probably choose a simple, right? At the beginning, like a simple implementation, right? Where they will say, okay, fine, give us uh, the purchase, whatever the purchase event it is, right? Probably in later stages, right? We would be able to pass them all of the custom parameters that we have. So that's why I think right now it would be very important to focus on, uh, you know, some of the simpler events, right? That you have tutorial level purchase, whatever correlates to purchase basically, right? And then also try to understand, and this I think has been mentioned quite a lot in the media, right? If as part of the six bit code, you should put in, use the first two bits for the time frame, right? Because right now, if you implement uh, the SCAD note with Resis, right, you will not understand, right, when these events are going to come in, right? So this is another decision uh, to be had if you're willing to sacrifice, right, some of the events to be able to uh, show, you know, the time frame, right? Uh, to ingest the time frame when this event happened, whether it's day one, day two, or day three, right? And uh, I think uh, Yevgeny talked about later iterations. Uh, I completely agree with that. I think from the onset, uh, it will be very challenging to provide a very, you know, custom solution, right? Uh, of uh, and custom in implementation where you're you're gonna you know, find the most valuable users or put PLTV or map PLTV to conversion events. I think we have to start a bit simpler, right? Based on the game and, you know, which events correlates to, you know, the best possible user that you can have. And then iterate as, as we go along, as more information becomes available uh, from the ad networks, because it very well may be that they might not be able to take in all of these events, right? But I think long-term, absolutely, there should be more advanced solution where you should be able to combine this with your internal data, right? And hopefully build in something that will try to simulate, right, the real ROI uh, that we're all kind of used to seeing. But I don't think that kind of short term in the very, you know, in September or whenever that's going to be, that that is going to be realistic or, or, or possible. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, so hmm, how many how many events can you can you have? Uh, how, do, how does it? Uh, is it only one or two or? So you can have, uh, I don't know, maybe Yevgeny would be the best person to, to explain it, but you can have uh, 60, 64 events. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. So there's... And they're coded in a binary format, right? A zero or one. So they're six bit. And uh, right now, one of the solutions that is uh, out there presented, right, is to use the first uh, two bits, right, is to code in the time frame, right, when the event comes in, right, so that you're able to at least... Uh, see right and try to cohort it if that's possible but i guess uh, maybe Yevgeny or Nebo can can jump in and uh, and add that, more details yeah i think that uh, tiana touched something very important that is a decision to be made um uh, right now at least for your your kind of uh, uh, phase zero mvp conversion value is whether or not you're going to be trying to prolong the uh, the conversion value signal because of the 24-hour timer limitation 
if you're trying to capture more signals in the second, third session, second day, third day, you need to implement a logic that uh, kind of decides whether or not to uh, push the, the 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 value upwards. And and by the design of SKA network conversion value, the second you try and do that, you will be losing some of the, the data after 24 hours. So. Uh, you will still get users that, you know, when you, you know what in, in, in the example that you use the first two bits to signal whether it's the day zero or day one or day two or day three. So for day zero, you're going to cover all users that reach a certain event. But for day one, you're going to only reach, I don't know, 70%. Day two is going to be 40% of that. And day three is going to be 30% of that, which means you'll need to model into your decision making and optimization. Um, what is the percentage of those uh, users that you lost? And I think another challenge here is that you are delaying the signal to the ad network. And, and, and not only to the ad network, which, which theoretically, you know, the signals can come in after, you know, 64 days, which is like the, the craziest extreme example. But let's say it's just a couple of days. When you make a change to a campaign, both you and the ad network, if you're only relying on SK network data, will be kind of blind to whether that is a good change or, or a bad change, because maybe the signals are not coming in because all users are engaging and they're gonna, it's gonna come in, in in three days, and maybe all users left uh, on the first day. Uh, so you're kind of uh, delaying and pushing forward the, 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 the signal that you're waiting um, on. And I, I think that uh, maybe for, for the first phase, this is this is something that is too complex to implement. I think uh, both also related to what Tatiana mentioned in the beginning with the lowest common denominators that might be Google and Facebook that can just tell you know anything that is above zero is good, it's worth ten dollars. Anything that is zero is not. And that's the signal we're waiting for. And that's what we're going to be supporting in Q4. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. So um, on on a product level, it would probably be a safe assumption that a lot of the games in the market will be quite front loaded with monetization. Uh, all kind of um, welcome, you know, starter packs will be probably pretty great and, and every, anything and everything you can do to monetize early on. So, because I think that's usually the strongest signal of a, you know, a valued uh, player coming in. Um, so uh, Nemo, <laughs> let's just switch gears. Let's talk about um, organic and paid traffic. So, how are you able to, how should developers differentiate between organic and paying users? And overall, how would you cohort users? Because, um, you know, with SK Ad Network, um, just for the listeners, you guys know it, but for the listeners, you know, you have no way of measuring when an ad impression leads to an install if the ad doesn't directly lead to the install via trackable click. So user, oh, trackable tap. So user, user level tracking allows MMPs and ad networks to better tie add impressions to organic installs. And on some networks, this tie-in known as view through attribution can account up to 50% of the traffic. So if I'm correct with the view through, what it means is I'm watching a YouTube video, I see an AFK Arena ad, I'm not necessarily installing it through that ad, but I'm kind of going through later on and then installing AFK Arena because I saw 15 ads uh, as I was watching it or Raid Shadow Legends and now I'm installing it. So that's a view through attribution if i'm correct right yeah that's correct after like if if a user doesn't click on an ad but watches an ad and installs after that that's considered as a view to install 
Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's a that's a great question. It's uh, it's one of the biggest challenges is like how do you uh, kind of differentiate paid from organic installs and and I think part of the experimentation and and the kind of uh, analytics design in the future will be around that and a lot of uh, in the sense that you know um, I'll, I'll just give you an example that's probably much easier. Uh, developers will probably have to figure out what the organic baseline is in each country on IS and then try to figure out based on that organic baseline in a certain country, like what's the kind of incremental traffic coming coming from certain paid channels. Um, assuming that there is no IDFA or any other way to distinguish those users, um, distinguish those users and say, these are paid users, these are like uh, organic users, that's gonna be pretty much the only way to do so. And this is not the first time to use this methodology, like whoever did like TV advertising or any kind of offline advertising or kind of cross platform advertising had to do this to kind of figure out the organic baseline and then look into like incremental uplifts coming from paid channels and try to understand based on the click timestamp or impression timestamp where the like where are the users coming from like which channels and and you know which efforts are kind of uh, driving the most value um unfortunately right now like i don't see any other way to to kind of uh, deterministically figure out like which users are organic and which ones are paid um, so that's going to be one interesting, uh, you know, one more interesting thing to work on. Um, but I, I, I think that a result of this will be that, that developers will also look at like at the cohorts in a blended way where they're just going to look at pretty much all the installs and try to figure out what the paybacks are and what kind of the RI is, um, uh, uh, in a blended way where, you know, they're just going to look at all the installs and, and then make decisions based on that. Um, which is not optimal, but it's you know as good as it gets given the current current setup. So, so are you saying basically that K factor becomes um, um, almost impossible to to uh, to measure? Yeah, unless unless uh, there's some significant uh, updates to like Cascade Network where you can mm -hmm. kind of figure out like you know uh, where the users coming from, like where the users that your current players are referring to, like referring uh, into the game are coming from. So you can kind of establish um, or kind of measure where some of the organic channel traffic is coming from, then you could potentially figure out like what the K factor is. But right now, like where everything's kind of blended at the same, I don't think there's going to be a good way to, to measure it. So it, it, it's just going to be very tricky. Uh, and hopefully that changes in the future. But right now, like with the way things are, I don't think there's going to be an easy way. And, you know, Tatiana and Evgeny, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it seems like they agree that it's not going to be easy. Yeah, that's 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 very challenging. Uh, I assume that if you have a large portfolio of similar type of titles, you already know to some extent what your K factor is. So if you're, I don't know, I would say King, for example, your games are quite similar. So so through that, they, they're quite, their portfolio effect is quite known. But if you have a very, even a little bit diverse uh, portfolio, then then that's that's going to be probably quite challenging. And now that's going to push back your spend on marketing because you're unable to to uh, to really measure the other uh, K factor through through that. So you're not, yeah, basically you're bidding lower. That's that's essentially what it means, yeah. right? And one one thing is still there. Entry is one thing. Entry is still there, right? So you'll be able to do some sort of uh, kind of. Uh, uh, proxy uh, kind of proxy estimations on mm -hmm. on you know what the K factor is, but 
you know, the ASO on like ASO on, uh, on, on Google is completely different than what's the case with like ASL app, app store optimization on iOS. So that's why it's kind of tricky again to use that, but at least you'll get some sense of what the K factor, if you get some sense of what the K factor is in Android, you can make some estimations about uh, iOS as well. It's going to be all very tricky and probably inaccurate. Um, uh, but you know, uh, yeah. it is what it is. All right, let's talk about something else that is tricky, even without IDFA uh, depreciation, that is retargeting. So with the tracking limitations, it makes retargeting even more difficult. And from my previous discussion, I know that this is a, there's mixed feelings about retargeting in the games uh, games segment. There are some companies that, that very much believe in it, and there's others that have tried it, didn't work, not going to try it again, or maybe they run a campaign every every year with the retargeting. And like, yep, nah, let's move on. So, you know, what is um, what is kind of your expectation of 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 um, yeah? So, if you're unable to do retargeting, is that a is that a huge hit on on the business, or or what's what's your view on it? So, uh, let's talk to Tatiana first. So, Tatiana, I don't know of how course. much how much retargeting you've you've done uh, before and how successful how how much of a staple it is in your portfolio. Um, I think in the past, it really depends on the genre, right? When I worked for uh, GSN on the casino mm. side, definitely CRM and retargeting was uh, a lot more crucial because it's a much more whale-driven environment, right? And, uh, you know, it's it's a more niche, right? And you're competing with other casino games, especially because you have, you burn down, you, you run out of coins, you go play another casino game. So that that was a key portion of it, right? And especially collect connecting it to CRM, push notifications, et cetera, right? Uh, for our portfolio, right, it might not be, as I'm talking about ground games, it might not mm -hmm. be as important on the casino side. I think what you mentioned, I think the biggest challenge of retargeting is measuring uh, incrementality and uplift and actually setting up the right holdback group, the various, and like some of the things that we've been testing uh, recently is retargeting might not work as a whole for everyone, but there might be the right user segments that see a larger uplift, let's say maybe 45 plus they lapsed, right? So that's, so for us, I think retargeting would only work if it's quite custom and we're able to, you know, like target just the right users, not everyone, right? So in terms of the impact of iOS 14, right? They will be retargeting. We just won't be paying for it, uh, and we won't be able to control it, right? Because under the SK ad network as it is, there will be no suppression list, right? So the ad networks will be targeting existing users, lapsed paying users, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? And uh, so, the, and we will be able to see it. I think with the redownload flag that Apple will pass to us, so it will be actually very interesting. I guess we should be able to see on a network level, right? Which uh, networks are bringing more users who are re-downloading, right? So giving all of this, I think uh, internal CRM will become more important. Now, the question is, will we as developers still be able to collect emails, right? As part of Apple's privacy change, because I don't think there has been clarification, right? If the user opts out of targeting, can we still ask them for, phone number, et cetera. So that would be very interesting. Uh, you know, push notifications will not go away. That will be quite crucial. You know, Facebook retargeting, assuming that you can still get emails and phone numbers, you can, you can enter those into the system and still do some type of retargeting. Right. And I think the larger topic is, um, idea fee, right? So 
uh, the uh, on a developer level, this will be an internal ID on which we will be able to see, for example, for us who plays March Dragons, March Magic, etc. That will not change. So for uh, larger developers, we still would be able to look right on uh, on the network level and run retargeting and cross promotion campaigns. I guess um, obviously all the details are still to be spacked out, but. Uh, you know, if you're going to look at King, Playtika, et cetera, Zynga, right? Uh, that would be probably uh, an important possibility, right? Uh, how do you connect all the data that you have internally, right? And how do you build the right framework to understand from which game should you drive users to and what messaging, what, you know, things uh, to show, right? Mm, got it, got it. So. So two things kind of that that I that I wanted to pull out is is the retargeting is is traditionally been a very much whale game type of activity uh, or or well Amanda's, yeah anyway designed for whale game so again we're talking about social casino uh, being hurt by by the IDFA depreciation some of the uh, strategy genres and RPG genres that very much focus on long longer lifetimes and and a very high spending from from few niche users. And the second part that you mentioned is is um, is having broad portfolios. So even if you might have those niche titles with very high monetization, um, let's say Playtika and Zynga is a good example with the casino portfolio. As long as you have a wide portfolio of other type of games, uh, you know Zynga just adding Rolik to to their inventory that that pretty much covers. Yeah, that's a lot of users uh, with with the whole portfolio. That gives you ability to still do more efficient retargeting if needed because you have a uh, good access to such a wide uh, range of users through idfv am i correct yes yes that's correct <laughs> thank you for the summary <laughs> no i'm just i'm just summarizing for myself <laughs> just making sure that i'm uh, understanding all right um nebo uh you getting anything to add on, on retargeting I mean, no, not really. Tatiana covered most of it. It's basically this might incentivize developers to to start collecting emails and phone numbers potentially. Uh, that will open up a lot of different kind of ways to retarget users. I think a bigger impact when it comes to ha not having IDFAs is in collecting kind of payer profiles and using the data to feed kind of algorithms and to help DSPs do better than than just retargeting. I mean, retargeting is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And and the truth is, it, it wasn't very successful for most developers. So um, instead of like doing paid retargeting, we're just going to move to kind of doing email retargeting and like doubling down on push notification, et cetera. So there's still going to be, there's still going to be some ways to retarget users. Great. I can't wait to all the email campaigns, just going back to like 15 years. Uh, yeah. Which is another, another good reason um, to rethink the, the, the app tracking transparency implementation, right? Especially if you're whale-based and you mostly care about those guys, uh, theoretically, uh, this can be almost business as usual if you focus on getting the IDFAs of these guys. Uh, and this is what you optimize in terms of the messaging, the placement, how deep you go, perhaps even uh, attaching some uh, reward mechanism, even, even though that's not yet the officially documented if that's okay or not. I think that's the, the optimizing that, especially on, in the, on the niche, side of uh, the whale-based games uh this will have a big impact i think yeah and, and and a lot of a lot of uh in terms of events like a lot of games especially on mid-core side but also on casual side have been implementing battle pass or, or these sort of like a short subscription services uh and those are great events because they essentially drive both engagement and monetization so i 
I think that's going to be one of the um, one of the strongest monetization tools. Battle passes everywhere, uh, just because of the double effect of of that mechanism. So probably hyper casual games are going to have some kind of passes now <laughs> from now on. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, SK Ad Network and the fact that that campaigns will be hard limited to max one hundred per network per app. So how does this affect advertisers and how does it affect testing of creatives? And, and just as a background, like lots of smaller developers have, you know, they could argue that 100 campaigns is a lot, but you have to keep in mind that the ad network will now be forced to add, to do all targeting and optimization within these 100 buckets. There are no ad groups and no creative sets. And as of late, if we look at all the, uh, all the big and mature genres and subgenres, whether it's puzzle or strategy or RPG, uh, the creatives have been one of the main drivers of, of competitiveness. You know, increasing your IPM uh, leads to lowering your CPI. So yeah, so this is a this is a pretty important question. So how does this how does it affect the limit of 100 and how does it affect testing of creatives? So again, if you want to give the uh, the broad view uh, from 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 the conversations I've had uh, so far, it looks like this is uh, very far from being uh, standardized, and this is probably one of those things that will uh, not be uh, standardized at all, um, but because of this kind of being in the hands of the the, the platforms. Um, and uh, not only that, I noticed that uh, almost uh, all UA teams are not even there yet in terms of thinking about this challenge. Uh, so I believe that where it's going to land, at least uh, in the short term, is that it's going to be dictated by the, the platforms themselves, where the main uh, dimension of optimization will be creatives, like you mentioned. Um, will that be um, translated into um, a certain uh, creative uh, optimization, automation methodology or not? I think that uh, that the time will tell, but I think the biggest uh, unknown and the biggest lever, uh, which we all learned in the last couple of years is creative. And I think um, each UA team needs to make sure that the way they're measuring teams and uh, uh, things and, and the way I think creatives are being rolled out, the pace, um, how much data is enough, uh, impressions, clicks, installs, are they those installs uh, measured properly? And the same goes for conversion values. Uh, that's kind of the nice thing about the SK network that you get kind of you can you can compare e much easier you can compare the overall value of, of a creative uh, from an impression to a conversion value, and, um, and and build a methodology around it. Maybe it's going to be only testing I don't know four creatives, not more than that. Maybe it's going to be two creatives. But uh, if you if you go live with like uh, you know 10, 15 creatives, and you shuffle them around, you might not never know which one was better if you don't have enough support, enough the, uh, degrees of freedom to play around with, with how SK Network works. So yeah, I, I actually agree with Yevgeny. I think in the short term, we'll have to deal with what, you know, the, the lowest common denominator, what, you know, Facebook, Google, other ad networks uh, provide to us. I think some ad networks will be uh, hurt a bit more than others because some of them have various kind of tens of creatives permutations, right? That will have to figure out based on end cards and playables and et cetera, that will have to kind of uh, cut down. So the way I see it, right? There's two solutions. One is right, uh, you know, run uh, one creative per campaign, which is absolutely not ideal, 
right? Because I, this will become very, very much manual. Uh, the other way is to, you can group creatives by themes or similarity, or which will be maybe the more long-term solution is find a way to test, to find what I would call hero creatives, right? So how we define them internally are those that have high IPM, good engagement metrics and provide longevity, right? So these are the ones that can last a year a few months, et cetera, right? So the question is, in the, under the current environment, how do you get to find those out? The best thing we can do is probably use Android. Like, it depends whether, you know, that data is relevant for you from, to whether you can import data for you game creatives from Android to iOS, that depends. For us, shall we say, we can rely on that, right? So the reason why minimizing the amount of creatives that you can put on your campaigns makes sense is that it can provide stability in, in your campaigns, because if you, let's say, if you're, if you would be able to at least keep something uh, constant, right, and then you would be able to measure the impact of other features, right, like changing placement or changing publishers, etc. Right. And I think it will become very important, right, even more important creative deconstruction, right, understanding what are the concepts, what are the top elements how do you make a creative that lasts for a long time? Because unfortunately, you know, uh, under the SKED networks, we will not get, you know, any creative data. So we will have to think ourselves what, at which time we will have to guess, right? When did a creative reach creative fatigue? Because we will not know for sure. And I think that will be one of the, you know, major hurdles uh, uh, to, to overcome, especially on that. Yeah. Are there any tools that allow you to, are, are there any tools that allow you to test creatives? Um, yeah, like, like there, there are tools that allow you to test the Fatui, like test cloud or user testing.com and so forth. But are there any, any tools that allow you to test the creatives to kind of understand what could be, or what are the best candidates for your hero creative? I guess we'll both be exploring that there's. I guess, user surveys, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, you know, UA is very much execution driven and yeah. we're, uh, you know, used to and addicted to testing things in a live environment. So I think, but I think what we're forgetting, we have data from years ago, right? Like we still have Android data. We do still, we would hopefully have some type of opt-in data. I think the key will be trying to inject, uh, like in ingest as much as possible from mm -hmm. all of this and also having the right external internal tools, right? Like for example, uh, we uh, tag all of our creative with keywords, right? Uh, like for example, Red Dragon, Blue Sky, et cetera. And we're able to see uh, ROI based on the creative level, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully maybe with this information will allow us to be better prepared. I'm not saying, you know, this is gonna solve everything, but the best we can do right now is to try to understand, right, which creatives may last for a long time, which creatives will uh, will be key and kind of go from there. Because I do not think it's sustainable to to run multiple creatives uh, and because it will just be kind of very confusing. Yeah. Got it. So so this, this is most likely going to hit hyper casual developers, especially because what I've seen is some of the ads where it just, you know, a tiny change that is even not noticeable between two creatives can, can be so huge that it makes a game scale or not. And, and you have a lot of great services that allow you to do that really quickly and, and, and get a lot of creatives out. But, but for, uh, for a little bit more, you know, casual games and, and especially mid core games, I think you're able to, to find those. Yeah. The, the creatives are more expensive and you're not having quite as many of those. 
Um, Nebo, do you have uh, do you have anything to add on on the uh, testing of creative side and being limited to one hundred campaigns? Yeah, I think I, I, I just like the two things. One is the kind of Facebook and Google moved away from having to have like a ton of campaigns. So like the the way you know the the direction would uh, that both like Facebook AAA and like UAC are going is that we'll have just like a handful of campaigns. Um, and then uh, you can upload all the creatives to that one single campaign and and then let Facebook optimize. I think since, I, I think in term, terms of like uh, that Facebook and Google are basically going to move their optimization, creative optimization up the funnel and just optimize more towards uh, click rate than IPM, uh, which is not necessarily optimal, but that's kind of what they're doing right now, like on uh, with e-commerce, like their dynamic product ads are optimized. Like they're, they're, they, they give like, uh, uh, basically click through rate is a pretty strong signal. So I think something similar might happen to like gaming ads as well. Again, it's not optimal because like, you know, misleading ads will have extremely high click through rate and they might not have like high install rate, but that's one solution for this problem to kind of uh, try to optimize for just like mm -hmm. clicks. Um, and when it comes to testing, you know, there are like all kinds of like Facebook offers split testing, um, you know, that might help us understand which ones are doing better. And we might be looking again, to kind of echo what I said earlier, might be looking again at kind of IPM of the entire cohort, not necessarily just paid users, to kind of try to understand whether the incremental uplift uh, uh, coming from paid campaigns is higher than what was the case with some other creative. Um, there's gonna be a lot of creative solutions about creative optimization, uh, and that's something we'll have to work on in the upcoming months. All right, I wanna I wanna end this with um with a question with kind of like a double-headed question for for each of you. So, uh, the first part is easy, and that is your assumption of what's gonna happen to CPI. But the second part is uh, I want you to um, well, you're heads of UA, you're heads of growth, so so you have the, all the power. But let's say you're walking into an organization that has a broad portfolio. Imagine something like EA Mobile, and you are you can do anything on on the marketing side. You can you can have the organization change however you want to to adapt to upcoming iOS 14. What will be the sort of a three things that you would focus on um, to get the organization ready for the upcoming change? So two questions. What do you think is going to happen with the CPIs? And what would be the three things if you were the king or the queen of an organization and nobody would doubt anything that you're saying and they will do exactly what you've said? Let's start with the tell. I always have to answer the tough questions well, first. Well, the guys uh, were really quiet. They were like, oh, ladies first. <laughs> okay. Okay. What will, uh, what will happen to CPIs? I, you know, even though like probably CPMs will drop, right, due to the targeting limitations and kind of uh, going away of advanced bidding tools, right, value optimization on Facebook, et cetera, right? I think initially there will be a lot of budget disruption, right? Because as far as I understood, for the whole kind of ad buying process to work, iOS 14 needs to be uh, updated both by the advertiser, by the ad network, and the app in which we are advertising in. So I think initially it will be mayhem, right, whenever this kind of launches. Likely CPIs will will decrease, right? But the question is, what is, which inventory will adapt faster? Is the hyper casuals, will they be able to adapt, you know, adopt their SDKs faster? That means that we will be able to buy on them. How about IAP developers who have ads, right? So I think it will all, all kind of depend, but from the UA side on what we can control, right? Probably cautiousness would 
of a rule where we would likely try to bid lower. And I think another consideration in that is that we might stick to whitelisting, right? So if you're not sure what is going to happen, you might stick with campaign types that you know and work or with apps, right? That like, for example, uh, casual app, sorry, a puzzle app might want to buy traffic within other puzzle apps. So in that sense, CPI might not change because you're sticking with the familiar, right? So, but overall, let's say the answer is, let's say they decrease or let's say. And the three things, um, I think I mentioned them actually at the beginning, right? If I, as a queen of everything, uh, uh, I think I would focus on uh, enforcing agility. So product analytics and UA, right? And I would focus on building this minimal viable product, right? A uh, preparation on all of the sites, right? And then from there, what Yevgeny and uh, Nibu kept mentioning, right? Like build up and up and up. And I think uh, the third, uh, the third thing uh, would probably be uh, the creative portion of it, right? Like beefing up and seeing kind of what, uh, what we can do there. Yeah. And that's it. Got it. So uh, last one was, okay, so agility for the teams, MVP of the platform, of your tech platform or mm -hmm. UI platform, and then continue building that. And the, the third mm -hmm. one was focus on creative. Do you mean by focusing on creatives, like beefing up um, your creative So, so let, me, let, me, let me actually rephrase that. I think uh, going broader, right? So if you notice the top 10 players, right? We have JLo in the supermarkets and mm -hmm. things like this, viral ads. We have uh, candy themed taxis, you have, I don't know, raid with shrinks and monsters and things like this. What I meant is that as an organization trying to be bolder and more distinct in the creative strategy, right? What I meant with hero creatives, even going beyond what, what we have now, because it could be that we can't attribute anything, then maybe we should go broader, right? Got it. Got it. That, that makes total sense. So beef up your creative team with proper creative directors and so forth. So it's, it's more like a, you know, a proper ads team. Yes. Uh, all right. Nebo as a king of, of, of UA of the king of marketing at a, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. What's happening to CPI? Yeah. I'm going to get dethroned. That's number one prediction. It's um, okay. You have one month. Uh, so I, I it's, it's funny, like, uh, because the iOS 14 is launching in Q4. <laughs> so. CPIs will probably stay the same. Um, and then maybe in Q1, we'll see some like uh, some decrease. Um, I, don't, I mean, I'd love to see the CPIs go down and I hope they'll go down, but I, I, I kind of, it's hard for me to believe that Facebook will just like lower their CPMs because, you know, suddenly they're not able to target as, as precisely. So, um, you know, if we see like some CPI decline, I guess that's going to be maybe 10 to 20%, but not more than that. Um, and in terms of the three things that, that, uh, I, I would do, I will do is like, number one is basically just to, to get ready for, you know, uh, for like post for IS 14, uh, and make sure that you're able to receive all the data, uh, and that you're, you have all the available data possible to figure out like, uh, what's the right setup and how to make decisions in the, uh, best possible way. I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. So kind of having the data is super important. Two is having an easy way to create different uh, different events, so you can uh, test all kinds of things on the conversion value side of things. So if if uh, your company has an ability to send events in like a server to server way to the MMP or the ad networks, it's going to be crucial because you'll be able to to kind of move fast and be agile, as Tatiana said, 
and uh, and make sure um, and make you know make make sure that that you waste the the smallest possible amount of money. Uh, and the last thing uh, I, I don't really have the third one, but uh, maybe uh, it's it's around basically uh, incrementality and understanding how like what's the value of uh, of each channel um, uh, when it comes to pay marketing. Basically, just having a way to uh, to measure incremental uplift coming from paid channels. I think that's going to be really important because part of that experimentation will be, hey, what's really what's really the contribution of these channels uh, and uh, whether we should continue advertising or not. But this will also unlock some uh, opportunities that we didn't really have the chance to test in the past. Like we might do more offline marketing. Uh, you know, we might test more of a TV ads or work with JLo is the kind of set again. So. It's going to be interesting. I'm super excited about this period. It's going to be tough, but we'll learn more about more channels and uh, we'll become nerdy UA guys again and not just like, you know, turn on VO and go home. So I'm super excited. Okay. So very, very data driven approach. So you yeah. said ability to create events fast. So basically your, your tools team, your analytics team, your BI team working hard on, on making sure that the events are popping and then everything is there and you're able to, to, to put more events and then adjust your marketing through that. Uh, making sure you have all the data possible and actionable. What do you mean in, like, what does it mean in, in practice, in, in practice? Yeah. In practice, that means that, that, yeah, basically you'll need your first part analytics data to tell you how many installs you're driving in each country, device, device model, like platform, et cetera, et cetera. Two is having all the, uh, like SK, SK network data to, because you won't have all the data and because of the kind of asynchronous nature of reporting where you'll receive like install data uh, today for some installs and you'll receive install data for today's, for users to install today seven days from now because of the way the timer works. Um, you know, having uh, like using the SK of network data will be a little complicated at first until we figure it out. Um, and, then, and then having the conversion value data by channel um, as reported by, uh, by SKA network. So basically if, if, um, uh, you know, Facebook is driving users who have like a hundred users with like conversion value of 10, uh, then you just want to have that in one place. You can make optimizations and understand which channels are driving more value. And, and I think at least in the first three to six months, we'll have to use this hybrid approach. And in order to be able to use it, we need, uh, all these data in one place where we can make decisions uh, in an educated way. King Perez, uh, what are we doing? And what's happening to CPI? I think uh, the, this change impacts the efficacy of ad servers uh, in general, the, the ability to optimize towards uh, target, the, the ability to target the right users. So my prediction is that uh, CPIs will uh, go up uh, at first, uh, but then it's gonna be a bit harder for the UA teams to justify that, uh, which will uh, uh, force the different limitations. And I think that's also, that will also impact the ad monetization side of things. So those that monetize through ads are not going to be prepared with the, the updated SDKs, SK network, OBP lists, uh, maximizing uh, permission to track if that's the right thing for them. I think that will actually yield higher CPMs. Uh, that's I think one, one, uh, one theory that can uh, happen, assuming the marketing channels will provide the right tools uh, for, for marketers to, to be able to spend and optimize. And the second part of the question, uh, other than doing what Tiana and Nibo said, uh, which I think uh, was a great advice, but uh, I think that 
this is a good example. You know, you use EA as an example, and I think that every uh, team needs to understand what's right for uh, their business, uh, and that's on the app level. Different apps will need different solutions here, and EA is a good example where most of the apps are um, you know IP based games, if not all of them, and um, which means most of the users coming in are organic. They'll be, keep coming in. Uh, but this also introduces uh, an opportunity because uh, now they might be taking over a bigger market share through user acquisition from their competitors. And I think that um, um, this means basically that they, you know, kind of, they can sit on the fence, but they can also embrace this opportunity and, uh, and, and, and uh, take action. I think uh, on the actionable part, I think simplifying everything possible. I think this is, uh, I think Nibo mentioned this, but we're trying to, we're, we're, this is uh, to overcomplicate this. Everything here, I think every decision needs to be simplified, whether it's what to do and how to do it. Um, a good example was, I think, the, the conversion value. I think at first stage, this should be as simple as possible. Uh, Product-wise, I think uh, an action item here would be to implement this in a way that can allow the team to iterate quickly. Um, and uh, change the methodology of implementation and change the methodology of, of, uh, of optimization. For that to happen, you need to make decisions on a daily basis. So that's kind of a must have for you to move forward, I think. Uh, and uh, in general, I think keep, keeping your eyes and ears open uh, on your competitors because the, the pie will, will be split differently uh, during that stage and there might be new opportunities that will arise. Awesome. 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 So there, there we have it. A lot of, a lot of great advices. I don't know. I don't know if you can get more comprehensive on, on this topic in hour and a half. So I want to thank each and every one of you, Tiana, Evgeny and, and Nibosha. So how do people can get in, in touch with you if they, if, and when they have more questions? So what's, what's the, uh, what's the channel LinkedIn or you know, if you want to give your phone number, which I don't advise, but you can, you can also give it on, on this podcast. But anyway, so uh, Tatiana, how, how do people can get in touch with you? I, I guess given that the conversation is about privacy and IDFA, I think LinkedIn <laughs> is probably the best way to find me. Yes. <laughs> so no Twitter, no nothing. Yeah, that's that's a correct way. Uh, Evgeny? Um, um, yeah, I think uh, it's either my DFA, which is A06F. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I think, yeah, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I think also um, uh, any interface you have with Iron Source, I think this, there's a good channel there for more knowledge, uh, uh, more advice and guidance on next steps here and in terms of your implementation and methodology. So feel free to reach out and also directly to myself. Nebo? Sorry, I got to repeat that. I'm in two meetings right now. So. Oh, no, no worries. How do people get in touch with you? LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, if people want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is a good way. Um, Twitter um, as well works. Uh, it's E-N-I-A-C or ENIAC. So just reach out to me um, quite easily. It's easy to find me online. Perfect. So thank you. Thank you very much. And um, have a great evening or a great day. Bye. All right, thank you.